Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. And Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. And what exactly is a ruckus maker? A leader who's found freedom from the status quo, a leader who makes change happen, a leader who never, ever gives up. That leader, my friend, is you. How effective would you be if you thought that you were a failure? We all have upper limit challenges that hinder our ability to create the most value in our lives and leadership. My guest today, Jean Woltz of Teacher Off Duty, found through her research that this was a common mindset challenge, an inner script that most novice teachers faced. New teacher after new teacher, she found, was saying to themselves, I am a failure. If you think you're a failure, there's no way you can be your best in the classroom. Part of our job as a ruckus maker is to create an environment where our teachers thrive. Therefore, our students thrive. Gina stepped up and made it her mission to connect and empower new teachers around the world. We'll tell her story next. We'll also dig into the common pitfalls most of our new teacher trainings face and how to overcome them. Finally, I want to mention that Jean serves new teachers through Masterminds, and you could learn more about her work at newteachermasterminds.com. And if you mention that Better Leaders, Better Schools sent you, you can get $50 off Mastermind membership for your teachers. So Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non-cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. It's basically like a Fitbit for teachers, helping them be mindful of teacher talk versus student talk. Get a special 20% discount for your school or district by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. In the mastermind, we believe that questions are better than answers and that there's power in connecting with other elite performers. Kevin, a principal in Tunisia, had this to say about his mastermind experience. I feel more connected to the everyday changes in education. In addition to being more informed, I feel empowered to bring new educational ideas and strategies to my team at my school. We'd love to serve you in the mastermind and welcome your application. Enroll today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. Jean is a former middle school teacher, department chair, and school leader, and the founder of the New Teacher Masterminds, a transformational virtual PLC network that connects and empowers new teachers across the country. Her mission is to provide new teachers the support they need to thrive during their first years of teaching. Jean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You bet. So you have a longer story. I don't know. We might get to it later, but <laughs> you resigned from teaching. You start a business. You move abroad. That Those are all, all big steps. But at your heart, you want to help new teachers. And I know yeah. that through like your research and just helping people, you saw on so many online forums that new teachers thought they were a failure. 
Mm. And so let's start there. Why did, why did they feel that way? Yeah. So I think it's important. Part of the story that we're going to talk about today is important to rewind a little bit to the beginning of the year for new teachers, because so often I would say usually new teachers at the beginning of the year are so excited. They're so excited. They're really nervous, but they're so excited to begin this career that a lot of times they've dreamed about their entire lives. And so what happens is they start the school year, September, they start hitting some problems and snags and they're looking for some help. If you watch like different Facebook forums of new teachers, they're asking questions about how they can solve different things. They're still hopeful. October, that slump starts to hit that we all are very familiar with. And then by November, what I started seeing very often every year was teachers posting that they felt like they were a failure, sometimes questioning if they were going to make it through the year, let alone if they wanted to continue this career. So I was thinking about all this and noticing this pattern, and I decided to just reach out to my email list. I have a blog, teacheroffduty.com, and I have email subscribers, mostly new teachers. And so I decided to reach out to them and just kind of give them a pick me up. And so I made the subject line, you are not a failure. And I basically just wrote an email encouraging them talking about how the system is really hard and what they're doing is a really challenging job. So if they're experiencing problems and, and, and it's hard for them, it speaks nothing to them as a teacher but instead of the system that they are in and they're doing an awesome job, blah, blah, blah. So I, I sent that out. And normally when I send out emails, I might get like one response, maybe like two on like a really good email. But this response, Danny, I received over 70 responses. It was insane. And all of the responses were, they were so heartfelt. They were talking about how they had cried that day like three times and how they were considering quitting. Somebody said, even just knowing that there's someone else out there feeling like I do has taken a huge weight off my shoulders. Another person said, I feel like I'm just faking and they don't really know that I'm not doing that great. And so it was just response after response after response like this. And so I knew that new teachers across the board weren't getting things that they needed in order to be successful. And so I sat down and I started thinking about that and what it is that what these teachers across the board were talking about that they needed. And um, I made a list of what they said they needed and weren't getting, or maybe they were getting and it was helping them. And I boiled it down to about five things. And those things were one, and first and foremost, a safe space. New teachers were talking about how they had no safe space to talk about all these hugely overwhelming emotions that they were experiencing. And they had no safe space to get the help they really wanted and needed to be successful. Two, they needed community and camaraderie. It was not funny, but just sad that all I had so many responses from teachers saying they felt like they were alone, and yet everybody <laughs> was saying the same thing. Yeah. And so they need that community and camaraderie with all with other new teachers, knowing that they're not alone. Three, concrete feedback and guidance. So many teachers talked about how they didn't know if they were doing a good job or not. They had no idea. They just knew that. It was not going the way they wanted it to go. And they just didn't want anybody to discover that they felt like they were a failure. For multiple support people, many teachers cited that they had a mentor in the classic mentor program, but that mentor was MIA or they didn't get along with them or that mentor secretly talked to their principal behind their back or what have you. And so they needed multiple support people with different specialties and also different political power to talk to. 
And then five, opportunities to be empowered. So this last one, they weren't actually talking about, I will say, but I could tell by reading all these responses that what new teachers really, really needed was an opportunity to own their own expertise. They weren't getting those opportunities in their school. They weren't aware that they were experts in a variety of different things. And so they needed opportunities to be empowered. So that was a lot, but (laughs) I went through and I came up with this list and I started thinking about what could we create? What, what new thing could we create for new teachers that don't, it doesn't exist to my knowledge already um, that could start filling these gaps. And I remember I made this, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but I made this vision board and I was really drawn to this image of a dining room table. And it was this like wooden, like really cozy table in this dining room. It was kind of small, but like a really big table and with really comfy chairs. And I wrote, I wrote here, I wrote what I envisioned for that. And I wrote about how I wanted it to be a cozy space, a grounded space for teachers to come together and talk about what's really on their mind, to just let go, talk about what's on their mind and get the help that they needed. And I I also wrote that I didn't want it to be a cynical space, a place that was intimidating, but a space where teachers could come talk about what they were dealing with, get the help that they needed, and then march back into their classrooms and solve those problems for themselves. So anyway, I created this vision board, wrote about it, didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but a few months later, um, it started to take shape and it started to take shape into these virtual mastermind groups. And so they kind of turned into this virtual dining room table for new teachers where they could connect some across buildings, sometimes across state lines um, with people outside of their immediate circles so that it was inherently a safe space where they could talk about what's really going on in their classrooms so they could get the help that they needed in the moment. And that's what we've been doing ever since. I love it. There's a there's three connections that I want to make and then we'll, we'll definitely keep digging into it. You know, I, I've been running a mastermind for a little bit and a newer member uh, just joined one of the things she said she so appreciated, and she's only been working with us for four weeks, is that uh, she doesn't feel judged in our space, right? It's the first place where she feels like she could be authentically 100% herself. And then she also added the political um, and gender bias that she's experiencing too, where um, she's a part of a four-person admin team. The rest are all white, conservative males. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that they have a very similar worldview, which is not always congruent with hers. And it's, it's difficult for her to figure out how to express herself or to feel that her perspective is valued. And so I, I get you with the dining room table, which I want to come back to. The other thing I want to highlight to the ruckus maker listening is that Jean just shared those, those five things, right, uh, that she was seeing, the safe space community concrete feedback, multiple support, opportunities for empowerment. And by doing your research, by really being dialed in and listening to what people are saying, that tells you as a leader what to offer, right? So if people, sometimes we see it as complaints or people pushing back. We question if they have the right seat on the bus, but maybe we should just take that feedback that we're getting and use that as professional development or checking opportunities and give people exactly what they're asking for. All right. So I want to come back to the dining table because that to me, it, it sounds like a cozy place. Like I wish I could you know, share a meal with you there. It definitely feels very warm. 
uh, connected, safe, like you said, and that space you want to create. And I, I want to come back to it and your use of a vision board. I'm curious, like, was this the first time you ever did a vision board? You didn't know I was going to ask this, but, you know, I, I get I get interested yeah, in stuff. And so funny. I ask those follow-up questions. But have you used them before or is this the first time? Tell us about that. Yeah. Okay. So I should, I guess, so I'll dial back a little bit. And it was the first time I had used a vision board. But what was funny about it is that I had actually... Okay. So it's kind of the second time. And this is, I'll explain why I, this dining room table image I had created. The first time I created a vision board was the year before. And I don't know why I kept being drawn to these images of like tables and like people eating food and wine and coffee and all these things. And then when I was thinking about what these new teachers needed, I was drawn, I went and looked at that vision board again. And I was like, bingo, that's what it is that these new teachers need. We need these spaces where people can actually just like let go and talk about what's really on their minds. So I guess yes and no, it was my first time. <laughs> gotcha. And, and it's important for me to like ask that question because I want the ruckus maker listening to consider what does vision look like, you know, in your life. And so maybe that's written, writing down the vision, using a vision board. Maybe it's um, sitting with visualization, right? And for five minutes before a meeting, thinking about what you want to accomplish, how you want to show up, in terms of your emotions and your words and your presence, uh, all mm-hmm. of that, like when I study successful people, they do that, right? Mm. And so when I come across, you know, somebody who's using it and then it comes to life, right? Which is mm-hmm. pretty wild. I don't know if I have this bookmark here or not. No, it's in a different book. But I remember when I was building what I'm building, uh, I had a revenue goal. So maybe it's a student achievement goal or an attendance goal or a how are you going to grow up and level up your leadership and for you to create the dining room table? But I also had just a sort of a very, yeah, black and white revenue goal that I wanted to hit. And I wrote it down and I said, I want to be able to accomplish this. And Gene, like within less than 30 days, it happened. So then I had Amazing. to shift it, right? To mm-hmm. I want to do that on a monthly continual basis. And that's been happening. So now I have to, you know, push myself to try to expand in what I offer, but vision is so like, I cannot express how important that mm-hmm. is. All right. Enough yeah. about me riffing on vision. This, this is about <laughs> you. When we talked earlier before creating this podcast, you said something that was profound and that, that was um, that the new teachers weren't failing. It was that our systems were failing them. Yes. So maybe we can uh, pivot a little bit and talk about some of the pitfalls that you see uh, in new teacher training. Yeah. So I know different states have different requirements for new teacher programs. And so that plays part. And I think the idea behind many new teacher programs is genuine and, and important and good, but the execution, I'm going to be a little bit of a ruckus maker here, Danny, and say, I think sometimes can be, can be a little bit of a waste of time and resources, mm. to be honest. So here's a, here's a few things here. Here's a few pitfalls that I see. Number one is I think one of the most important time, I mean, I guess all year is really important to support teachers, but one of the most wasted times to support teachers is before the school year starts. There is new teachers are, they're probably like the only teachers that are just dying to get to work. Like they want to work, they want to prepare, they have all this anxious, excited energy. And so often they don't get any curriculum or any uh, contacts with their collaboration partners or anything before the start of the year. What they do get 
is what a lot of districts call a summer boot camp. And that boot camp very often are things like orientation type things, like union things or like things about school culture or how to take time off. And that is totally 100%. I mean, yes, new teachers need to know those things, but that's not what they need in order to do a good job. So some really quick ways to help that in this over the summer and avoid that pitfall is instead of in those new teacher um, boot camps or whatever kind of supports you have over the summer is provide concrete workshops for curriculum planning, creating routines, procedures. If you can bring in their planning counterparts, their collaboration partners and have them start working together right away. Ingersoll cites that as something that's really important for new teacher success is having collaboration time with veteran teachers. And then also ask new teachers what they need. So it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, Danny, where this feedback from teachers, just if complaining or whatever may not be, to take it and listen to it and and just go ahead and ask new teachers before the start of the year, what kind of help do you need? And that's going to give you a pretty good map. Number two is, I think this is one of the most common problems with new teacher programs is that they are not, whatever kind of supports that you're providing, many times are not concrete enough for new teachers. New teachers need a very different kind of help than the veteran teacher. Veteran teacher, you can have a workshop that gives a theory or a new technology thing that you can use. They can think, okay, yes, this is what I've done in my classroom in the past. This is how I'm going to change it. And this is how I'm going to roll with it. But a new teacher needs a lot more hands-on, concrete, side-by-side help to execute those kinds of changes and execute those kinds of improvements. So some quick ways to help with this is to have worked when you create workshops for new teachers, to have hands-on workshops where teachers leave with a plan or they gain feedback during that workshop. So it's much more individualized or have coaches, yourself as an admin or a mastermind type group for new teachers to regularly sit down and have somebody to do that planning and helping them through thinking through them through questions and reflecting and creating things together rather than saying, this is what you need to do. Go do it. And then three, I would say, so I told you Danny before this, that I had maybe four. Oh yeah. We're going to, we're going to talk about both of these. So number three, (laughs) number three is one and done programs. That's what I call them. So um, maybe your requirements is to meet four times a year. So you have the, these four sub out days, teachers go and they get a bunch of workshops about very like theory type things that they need to do in their classrooms. And they say, good luck, goodbye. And it's just not very effective because it's not ongoing. It's not responsive to what teachers are asking for. So instead have groups where teachers can get together and support each other during the year, all year. Even if you don't have like one specific, you don't have the resources to have one person facilitating those, at least have a space where teachers can get together and talk to each other. Two, this is huge if possible, is to decrease teachers' load so they can have time to do PD and actually enact the changes of these. If you can only have these like one and done type things during the year, give teachers time that they can actually make those changes in their classroom. It's not, it's kind of crazy to expect a new teacher to be able to do everything a veteran teacher does, and then also learn how to do all those things as they go. So they need that time. And then finally, I've said this before, but let new teachers choose what they want help with. And then four, (laughs) I'm cheating and adding another one, is that so often with new teacher programs, trust issues are embedded in the program. 
the idea of having a mentor, the idea of having an instructional coach in your building, helping and being the point person for your teachers is a great idea in theory. And I don't care if you have the most genuine, politics-free, <laughs> wonderful instructional coach or mentor for your new teachers. I think it's wise for a new teacher to be wary of who to trust the first year they're in a building. They don't know all the who people talk to and the real confidentiality that's going on in the building. And so, um, or confidentiality in quotes. So I would say, um, take a hard look at who you have supporting your teachers. Think about what politics there may be or may appear to be from the outside because that's just as important for new teachers to trust. Emphasize that confidentiality in your building. Um, Make sure your instructional coaches are coaches and not evaluators and that is driven home. But then also, I think the safest way to address this is to provide opportunities for teachers to get help outside of their own schools so that you're safe from those kinds of um, trust issues that can be just inherent in having a bunch of people working together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense uh, whether it's uh, sports or musicians or businesses, you know, they, they hire uh, different positions of coaches and consultants. And that's because it helps to have another set of eyes on mm-hmm. a challenge that isn't ingrained within the culture where yes. it might be an echo chamber or everybody kind of sees things the same way. Plus they have, no dog in the race in in is it dog or horse? I never remember. I think it's horse. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Okay. So let's say the horse in the race, but you know, they have no stakes in, in that challenge. And so they can just be brutally honest, which is a, a reason I think, you know, the stuff we provide works. And and their role, if they're doing it worth their salt, they're not gonna go and and share what's happening within the support they offer. Um, that trust piece is huge where you landed because I remember one school I worked at, just a, a very positive and exuberant and enthusiastic uh, teacher who helped out with um, novice teacher training and that kind of thing. But everybody knew if you told this person something, it spread like like wildfire throughout the school. But I think the challenge for, it wasn't me, I wasn't the principal at the time, there are some people that you know are very effective. So this person was a very effective teacher, right? But not effective with confidentiality. And we didn't remove the two. I'm working with another leader right now as well. She's considering putting a person in a new administrative role because <laughs> the person is an incredibly hard worker and knows the culture back and forth. So I would say he has 95% of the skill set and value for the position. But there's a 5% where she does like super shady stuff <laughs> that like causes problems. Mm-hmm. And I just had to help her see that 5% because it really, even though it's only maybe 5% of the person's actions, the consequences equal a lot of time and pain and relational capitals spent that I don't think the leader I coach was considering. So we're at a good place now, but that's that's very true. So I appreciate you sharing those uh, pitfalls before the year starts, kind of like the one and done you mentioned, the concrete enough, and then the trust. So I think you have created a resource for the ruckus makers listening where people um, can go where you've identified these 10 uh, pitfalls and how to overcome them. So where can people find those if they want to download it for free? 
Yeah. So um, there's 10 of them and I, and I give ideas for how to overcome them and you can find them on my website, teacheroffduty.com backslash BLBS. All right. So teacheroffduty.com forward slash or backslash BLBS. Uh, that's for better leaders, better schools. And you can get that for free, which is 10 common pitfalls of new teacher programs and how to overcome them. Great. So let's pause here just for a second for a message from our sponsors. And when we get back, uh, a couple stories about masterminds, and we'll finish off our lovely conversation. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizedBinder.com. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. School leaders know that productive student talk drives student learning, but the average teacher talks 75% of class time. TeachFX is changing that with a Fitbit for teachers that automatically measures student engagement and gives teachers feedback about what they could do differently. Learn more about the TeachFX app and get a special 20% discount for your school or district by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All right, and we're back with Gene Woltz of Teacher Off Duty. We're talking about new teacher masterminds and common pitfalls that uh, we often see in new teacher programs and how to overcome them. Again, that's a free download at teacheroffduty.com forward slash BLBS. So, masterminds. You're facilitating new teacher masterminds. Tell us just maybe a, you know, just a a story from um, facilitating, leading those groups and yeah, what what you've learned about teaching that you maybe didn't see before leading these masterminds. Mm, That's a great question. Yeah. So I think with these mastermind groups, what they've done for me is they've kind of confirmed what I already had a feeling was true. And that is that most people are dealing with the same kind of problems and we don't talk to each other often enough about them. And two, that many times we have the answers to the problems that we have. We just haven't found the mechanism to find those answers within ourselves. For example, in January, just this past January, we had a group and just across the board, every single hot seat that members were bringing do I need to go over what a hot seat is, Danny? Do your listeners know what that is? You might, uh, just because this might be the first episode they've ever listened to. Okay. So um, in a mastermind group, the way it works is you have hot, the heart of a mastermind program is the hot seat. And a hot seat is where members in the group take turns and they share a problem or a challenge that they're facing and what they're doing. In this case, it's in their classroom. And the rest of the members then give ideas, ask probing questions, give perspective, and help them come up with a concrete action plan to tackle that problem themselves. So I think so in January, in this group, everybody's hot seat that they brought across, usually we have a variety, but every single person was about teacher burnout, helping their own motivation, and also answering that question like, is this career for me? It was not a super happy group when we first started that meeting. Um, but when we left, everybody was feeling it was like night and day. And what really struck me was what one member said at the end. And she said she was the last hot seat to go. And she's like, honestly, guys, 
this, my hot seat was the same as all of yours. And I realized in talking to all of you that I had all the answers, like I knew all the answers to my problem. I, it just took me giving you advice in order to realize that I had those answers. So I just need to take my own advice. That's what I love about masterminds for new teachers is because so often they think that they are new. They don't know anything. They're ter- like they're failures. That's what they're feeling. And masterminds, not only is it an opportunity for them to receive help, but it's also an opportunity for them to own their own expertise and realize that they really do have some awesome ideas and they really do know what they're doing. Um, it just takes a little practice to come up and know which answers are the right ones. It's a great observation because I think a lot of people begin to work with me and they love the idea of the hot seat because they know, okay, I have this problem and it's going to get fixed because I have a board of directors, you know, <laughs> 10 to 15 other awesome school leaders that I can trust from their experience around the world. And they're going to they're gonna help me figure it out, which is true. But what, what always happens nine times out of 10, people actually start valuing other people's hot seats more because A, like you said, you remember you have the wisdom, expertise, and experience within you. B, it feels good to help people out and be generous. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, they're good reminders, right? Like, oh, I totally forgot I should be planning for that, right? <laughs> right? And now I need to do something about it. And then the last point D would be sometimes you get exposed to stuff like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. Mm-hmm. And so we all develop blind spots. Uh, there's, you know, you don't have a character flaw. That's just living inside your own head. It's going to happen. And so to have a group to point out, you know, where you're uh, maybe weak or have a shortcoming or you're just not seeing something like that's that's uh, worth the price of admission itself. So yeah. thank you for um, sharing that about the hot seat there. And and I'm just curious, uh, I'd love to ask, you know, most people know that I, I run school leader masterminds, but there's also a small little band of us of what we call edupreneurs and business leaders in education. You're a part of that group. Can you just share a bit about what your experience has been like so far? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm going to echo what you're saying, but joining a genuinely and honestly joining the entrepreneur mastermind was hands down the best choice that I ever made for my own professional development. And I say that genuinely. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is that I'm surrounded by change makers and other people that are motivated to solve their own, solve problems and make change in the world and also have a wealth of knowledge that they can share but it's also about building these relationships, being surrounded by people that are supporting you and rooting for you and having a place to go when I have these problems that I I don't know who else to turn to, to talk about them. And then also those moments that you just said, like those, those blind sides. I think those are my favorite moments when I'm in a mastermind group as a member, but then also watching as a facilitator, these moments, you can see it in people's faces. Like, they're really stressed out about a problem. And then somebody says something and they're like, say that again. Like what? I've, what? I've never heard of that before. Tell me more about that. And it's like their whole world has just shifted and and the whole landscape is different. That's happened for me personally in a mastermind many, many times. And then it has also happened. I've seen it so often in my own groups too. Yeah. I love when I see you scribbling down notes or like Aubrey with his whiteboard, you know, those <laughs> yeah. moments like, all right, there's something cool happening there. So. Right. Eyes kind of glaze <laughs> over and you know, people are recalculating. Thank you for uh, sharing that. I appreciate it. Okay, cool. So each guest answers these two questions as we round up this conversation. And I'm curious if you could put a message 
on all school marquees around the globe for just a day, what would your message say? I think the message I would put is that you have something to say. And it kind of follows from my my beginnings was as a writing teacher. And that was always my goal was to not, not give students voices. They already have voices, but to help amplify those voices. And I feel the same way about new teachers. They have a voice. I just, it's important to remember that they have one and that they can use it. And they have so much to bring to the table. So, um, and that, and that goes for anybody in a school building. So that's, that's the message I'd put. You're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitations, your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? Okay. So I thought about this and I'm (laughs) cheating a little bit, (laughs) but the first one is a little bit complicated, but not really, but it's about how every teacher would have several different access to several different things. One is a personal technology assistant slash engineer who this is the person that not only you could go to and be like, look, I really want a faster way to grade these. Can you come up with a way? And they would like design that for you. But also they would follow you around in your classroom and be like, you know what? There's a better way to do this. This is a faster way, or this is a more powerful way or more transformational way. That's one. And then also they'd have a teacher assistant to help make things go faster for them, a coach that they trust, um, that they can meet with on a regular basis, and then a mastermind group, of course, that they could work with because I think it's so powerful. Okay, that was one. (laughs) The (laughs) second one is a lighter load across the board. Teachers need lighter loads, period. Um, Teachers have so much creativity, so much of their own power that gets completely buried because they have so much on their plates. So I would say lighter load and especially for new teachers who are learning the ropes. And then finally, I would give teachers opportunities to meet and learn from other educators across the world because we need to be talking to each other. We can be talking to each other as we're learning right now in these COVID times. And so teachers need those opportunities to learn from each other. There's no point in reinventing the wheel. That's that. Jean, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I think that is that you don't have to be miserable just because you're new at something. I think that it's no different for new teachers. And I think when you're new at something, it can be a really exciting time, a really transformational time. And um, I think it's really important for new teachers to remember that. But I think it's equally, if not more important for administrators to think about that if they're new as an administrator, but also in the kind of environments they're creating for their new teachers and what experiences they're creating for them. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at Better Leaders betterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.